this is a podcast. Let me ask you a question. I like questions. Okay. Let's say you're at the ATM. It's late at night. I appreciate you not saying ATM machine. Okay. Because that's redundant. Yes. Let's say you're at the automated ATM. <laughs> and um, it's late at night. Maybe you're in a bad part of town. Okay. Okay. You're pulling out a bunch of cash. You owe me for a bet, probably. Probably our baseball bet. I'm pulling out cash from the ATM or I'm pulling it out from my wallet to deposit it into the ATM. You deposit cash into the ATM? Sometimes. Yeah, I do that sometimes, too. <laughs> I like how how like, dare you try to challenge me? I'm all that. incredulous. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, I do that, too. Yeah. I do that, like, if, if I go to the casino and, and hit big and you cash out a bunch of hundreds, I don't want to walk around hundred dollars. Yeah, that's bills. usually the situation I'm into. Right. I figured it was. Although, I do always prefer to have a sizable amount of cash with me, mm-hmm. but, you know, sometimes I'm more likely to spend it or... Or if I'm going to Thomas, I'm worried I'm going to get mugged or something. Right. So, you know, I try not to. Is it mostly a sweaty wad of $1 bills that you got <laughs> from dancing? Typically. Okay. Typically they've been in my pants they in a couple of places. They smell of crotch. So, yeah. All right. So let's say you're at this ATM. Uh, we'll say well, you're withdrawing for the sake of argument. Okay. I'm withdrawing a large amount of money. Yeah. And you turn around to leave and there's a guy with a gun on okay. you. What Can it be a woman with a gun? Sure. A woman okay. with a gun on you. Let's say they're wearing a mask. You can't tell. Okay. It's either a small-chested woman or a <laughs> slightly busty man. Okay. What do you do? How do you avoid getting shot? Is this something that came up, like, in your life? No. Okay. Well, I mean, I thought of this the other day. I know how to avoid getting shot. Foolproof. But I want to I hear what you would do. Well, I pull out my gat and I shoot him in the head before I can shoot him. Right, me. exactly. Obviously. I would, I would... Stupid question. I'd signal the sniper to take the shot yeah. because I'm always being watched. Okay, you want to hear my answer? I do want to hear your answer. Take off your shirt. You won't get shot. I don't understand. Think about it. In a movie, nobody... Everyone's always wearing a shirt when they get shot and then you see like the red stain appear. Okay. And I think maybe part of it is people don't want to see like your skin blow up and guts and things i really think solutions to take your shirt off yeah no one gets shot when they're not wearing a shirt okay let me ask you this um so i in your in your hypothetical scenario Mm -hmm. have i taken out the cash and already put it in my wallet and put the wallet in my pocket or is the cash in my hand it doesn't matter i think it might matter all right the cash is in your wallet um I would probably be like, I'd like gesture to the side and be like, officer, and then when he flinches, I'd sock him in the face. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. No, you wouldn't. I don't know. I might. No. Probably not. You'd piss yourself and throw your wallet at him. Maybe. Which I would have too until the other day when I realized you never see anyone get shot not wearing a shirt. What made you think that? I have no idea. These are the thoughts that come into my head. I think that... In my case, taking off my shirt would be a bad idea. And here's why. If I took off my shirt, the the person would see that I have a bulletproof vest of hair on my <laughs> chest, and he would shoot me in the head instead. I thought we said Whereas, it was a woman. Okay. Well, he, she. So might you seduce the robber? That That's that's likely. Right. But my the problem would be I'd be shot in the head. Whereas if he just shot me in the chest normally, my bulletproof hair... Vest right. would protect me. Stop the bullet. It'd At get, least the first one. It'd get tangled in, in the in the in the web of right. follicles. See? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I hope I never have to 
worry about it. I think it's worth a try. <laughs> Even if it doesn't work... Should I just drive around to different ATMs around no, here? I'm saying, should you find yourself? Even if it doesn't work, what's the first thing the paramedics do when they show up? They cut the guy's shirt off so they can get to the wound. So you're saving precious seconds there, too. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I think my best solution is just to not go to ATMs Yeah. at night. In bad parts of town. In bad parts of town. Even in decent parts of town. Like, the B of A on Alhambra... There's some shady characters around there. I mean, I wouldn't consider that a bad part of town. If you need a significant but... amount of cash late at night, you need to take a step back and examine your life. That's a that's an inter- that's a good point. Yeah. If it can't wait till the daylight hours, yeah, you got problems. That's you got bigger point. problems than getting shot in a hair shirt. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. All right. Um, so we are doing this podcast today, kind of rushed to- together in, in this small window of time that we have. Um, because there's been some crazy events the past couple days. Um, you have World Cup fever. I do. Well, yesterday was was quite a sporting day, e- even without that, with the whole Wimbledon match and everything. Right. I don't know if you followed that at all. But I did. I don't want to go into too much, because we're mostly here to talk about soccer, but... Yeah. But I... It was a good time for me to be home for summer break, because I got to watch... You know, I got to check in periodically... When I wasn't watching the soccer games. Um, and your soaps. And my soaps, yes. Yeah. I have like a a curio cabinet full of decorative soaps. Mm. And so... <laughs> is that next I, to the Precious Moments it figures? Is, okay. It is. Uh, moments from the movie Precious based on the novel. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, I, love, I love your frumpy Mariah Carey figurine. <laughs> Indeed, it's my favorite. Um, I wish I could remember the Precious girl's name. The actress? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah right. something crazy. <sighs> yeah. I don't want to take the time. Sigourney Weaver, I think, was her name. No, it's that, that actually helped me. Gabore Sidibe. Right. I knew it was something Nicely like done. that. Thank something you. like Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> um, so, yeah, World Cup uh, yesterday? Yeah, yeah. 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 It seemed so long ago, but that's because it was early morning. And uh, it was Zach halfway actually, around the world. Zach actually came over around 7 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. uh, to, watch to watch South Africa. To watch uh, U.S. versus Algeria. And he was his, he he was doing the thing that he loves to do, where he declares something to be over prematurely, trying to jinx it the other way. Uh, so like, if we're right. doing something and I'm winning or whatever, he'll be like, "Oh, it's over," or you know, "Oh, the Dodgers are going to win this game." And I'm like, "Don't be a jerk ass like that and try to you That's know, clever. Make yeah, the reverse." And jinx. so he was like, "Oh, they're going to get a tie, and they're going to, it's not going to happen." And then in the ninety third, ninety second minute or whatever, Landon Donovan gets his big goal. Um, I don't want to talk too much, just you and me, because we have a uh, our, soccer our resident soccer expert. Yes, our go-to guy when it comes to football and, and resident Mexican. Yes, here to talk about all things World Cup and um, other Hispanic issues. <laughs> uh, let's call Hispanics Mr. Perez. Issues? What's that? Hispanics issue. Yes. All right. Well. It's okay if the microphone picks up the dialing. I don't know. I don't want people to know his number. He's a very private man. It's not home. <laughs> Hello? Alex! Mr. Jacob, Mr. Joe, how are you guys? We're good. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm on the podcast now? Yeah. You are on the podcast now. Well, shouldn't I start with my goal call? Go for it. 
Viene Kaká, busca el ano, qué buena pelota, golazo. Gol, 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 golazo. Aso, aso, aso de Kaká. Are you calling us assholes? <laughs> What's going on there at the end? Let me just say, I've had an absolute field day with... Uh, Jesus Brocamantes, who's the um, announcer for Univision. Uh-huh. That guy is amazing because the things that he can say by just announcing the game is amazing. And it makes me glad I speak Spanish because, as you guys know, el ano in Spanish means the anus. <laughs> right. Oh, I know well. Unstews <laughs> after that, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that that was an amazing intro, and I uh, have not really been involved in the World Cup much, but I'm very excited now. <laughs> just just like that tennis match will never be surpassed in terms of length, that introduction by Alex will never be surpassed in greatness on this podcast. <laughs> well, well, or said. on any other, I would say, or any other podcast that Alex is on. Oh. <laughs> How you guys doing? You guys enjoying the cup so far? Uh, I am loving the cup so far. I am uh, benefiting from being off for the summer. Right. So I have watched just about all of the games. Yes. Um, except for the ones that start like four. You know, typically I'll get up just as those are ending or some of them after they've ended. Um, why don't you ask Jacob how much he has enjoyed <laughs> the World Cup so far? Uh, Alex, you're going to be disappointed in me. Wait, let me let me preface with this, Alex. I did watch a lot of U.S. Open last weekend. There you go. Hey, and, yeah, and you know what? That's important. That's our national championship. However, I have not watched a single minute of World Cup. Okay, now that's bad. And it's, it's not that I'm avoiding it. It's just, um, you know, I work for a living. <laughs> and... There's that whole work thing that yeah, gets in the way. I, I you know... It just, it hasn't been on. Let, let me ask you guys something. Isn't, um, I, I think the fact that it's every four years, I, I mean, for me, the World Cup, you know, reminds me every four years, just how uh, utterly deflating watching sports uh, on a tape delay is. There's nothing worse than right. watching a game that you know everybody else and their mother already knows the score to, and you're sitting there like an idiot going, oh, my God, he almost scored. Well, you know what? He didn't, and everybody right. else knows about it now. Right. You know, it's like, uh, it, put it this way, the World Cup makes me, you know, wish I was a teacher. Oh, wait. Yeah, well, I, it, I can't watch the the TiVo sporting events. And I can't either. The one, the, I've tried with a few baseball games this year, and there was one where uh, Kevin Euclid got beaned in the head. And I got home and I started the game on TiVo, but it was running already, and I got text messages from a couple people that were like, oh, that had to hurt or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, don't tell me, I'm just starting. And the whole game, I was so tense because it was like when you watch a TV show and the preview is like, next week, you know, one one team member dies or something. You don't know who it's going to be. Every at-bat, I was like, is this going to be it? Is this the guy that gets hit? And it turned out it was a non-event too. It he got beaten in the head in a helmet, and he shook it off and walked to first. But I thought it was going to be like this huge thing to get carried out on a stretcher or something. But other than that, all, all kidding no aside, fun. though, seriously, Joe is getting you know the lion's share of what you know the World Cup 
you know, means to pretty much the rest of the world. Because watching, being able to watch the games live, you know, you just, you can soak up, you know, the urgency and the atmosphere and the vuvuzelas and, uh, you know, all that, all that good stuff, you know, live. There's just, there's just really no comparison. I mean, uh, you know, trying, trying to come home, rushing home, not turning the radio on. You know, trying to avoid all all human contact just you know really sucks when trying <laughs> trying right. to watch these games. But you know, you got to manage, like you said. You know, you work for a living. What can you do? It shocks me that the Vuvuzelas have not been used much in other sports, like stemming from this. I know the uh, I think the Marlins tried to do it at one of their games or something like that. But I was just thinking because the 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 World Cup started um, just around the time that the NBA Finals were starting. And I was thinking, what better way? What better way to use this than, you know, NBA Finals? Let's say it's Game Seven, Lakers Celtics in LA. Uh, a Celtics player steps up to shoot a free throw, and everyone in the arena just starts blasting those vuvuzelas. Like, how would that not? You know, it's so much better than waving little crap around and things like that. It would be deafening being in an indoor arena, and it would be great. I couldn't hear over the movie, though. Wow. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, the thing is, is I, I think most people, you know, that follow, you know, soccer kind of year-round throughout the various um, leagues, you know, the, especially in the South American leagues and the, and the Mexican league, they, they, they will have heard that sound before, but definitely not to the uh, magnitude uh, that, that you're now hearing in South Africa. And, and it's interesting because one of the main talking points in this World Cup has been, you know, do we get rid of them? Do we not? You know, it's part of the South South African culture and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, every other picture I see of, you know, traveling fans, it's it's with their, you know, you know, country's color, Vuvuzela, you know, and they're, and they're the ones doing all the blowing throughout the game. It's like, you know, I guess, you know, the, the, the saying, when in Rome, is, is kind of sticking over there to, to, to all of the visiting fans, but... Um, I think I think it's more of a mob mentality type thing where you go there and it's like someone hands you a vuvuzela. Hey, what's this for? You know, if you're Diego Maradona, you probably think about doing a couple lines with that thing. But uh, <laughs> you know, most other people are are just going to join in on the party and 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 do as uh, as as their their neighbor is doing. But um, I agree. I think that they could definitely be used for for a lot more uh, useful purposes uh, here in the states, like. Uh, Getting inside the uh, the, the the next uh, Dodgers uh, pitcher's head when they're playing the Giants. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, here's what's crazy. It is almost July. Do you know how many games the Dodgers have played in San Francisco so far? I'm gonna say three. It's zero. Zero. Get zero. Out of here. Isn't that crazy? We've played six. We played six in like Cincinnati. We played three in Boston. Zero in San Francisco so far. There's only been three games total, all in LA. Wow. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of interdivision games to be played Indeed. in the National West, especially those two teams. September. You know what? I'm glad you brought up Maradona earlier because this is someone that I think Jacob would really be intrigued by. Yes. He is a because I'm the big Coke fiend. <laughs> he's a hilarious character. He he was a great Argentinian uh, soccer star. Right. He scored one of the most famous goals in World Cup history, where he actually like punched it with his hand, mm-hmm. and it scored. It was called like the hand of God or something like that. The hand of God, yes. And uh, El so he, Mano de Dios. 
Indeed. Okay. Um, and he is now the Argentinian coach. He he looks kind of like um, uh, a fatter Bucho <laughs> from Desperado. <laughs> okay. Um, he wears watches on both hands, on both wrists, and he's like super animated. He's got an earring. He when when his team scored the other day, he like ran and jumped into one of his co- fellow coaches' arms, and he's like this huge dude. Mm-hmm. He is just hilarious to watch. They almost show him more than they show his team. Interesting. I think I, I, think, I am intrigued by that. Yeah, he's 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 a great character for the game for the sport. Uh, yeah, he is, and and you know, there's definitely uh, I think no doubt that people are are going to be watching Argentina more for the, uh, you know, Im- impending uh, implosion at the hands of, uh, no pun intended, Diego Maradona. But, uh, you know, I definitely think that uh, it-, it always helps when you have, you know, charismatic characters like that on the sidelines and, you know, just the whole history that he has with the team and, and whatnot. Um, I-, I definitely think that Argentina so far is looking like uh, they're, proving everybody wrong you know everyone was saying coming into the cup that uh oh maradona is going to be a big distraction and he's going to cause uh, a lot of unrest with some of his players and he has no experience and tactics this and tactics tactics that and blah 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 blah, blah. and so far uh except maybe with one of the the, the games probably the, the last group game there that they had against uh, uh greece they've looked like one of the better teams in the tournament um, so I think it just goes to show that, you know, the World Cup, it, again, going back to the, the whole, you know, you know, time between cups and just the, 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 the long buildup that the tournament has, it just goes to show that it's probably one of the harder sporting events to predict outcomes. I mean, look, you saw today Italy. Yeah. Out. Here we go, the, you know, the defending world champs, and they come out and basically lay three goose eggs, you know, um, you have uh, England, who can't escape its own, uh, you know, constant self-fulfilling prophecy of, of being tremendous underachievers. So yeah, well, you have, you have France. That, uh, France is out too. Well, I'm sorry. France is out too. It's out too. And you know what? I think if Spain loses tomorrow to Chile, they're out also, which could happen. I mean. Yes. Chile's got six points already, so... And that would, yeah, it largely would depend on... Um, well, actually, no, I think um, Honduras is eliminated, and uh, Switzerland, that's right, if Switzerland gets a point out of their game tomorrow with Honduras, which they really should, they really yeah, should be able to at definitely. least get a draw out of that game, and uh, and Spain were to lose, like you said, which is definitely a possibility, uh, one of the bigger favorites would, would, would be out again. So, uh, you know, it just, just goes to show, it, it's it's it's... A tournament that really kind of gets every World Cup has its own identity. Every World Cup right. has its own story to tell, and uh, you know it, it never ceases to amaze me how uh, how many subplots and 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 twists and, and you know turns that each World Cup can take, uh, and with you know the identity that it forms. So, well, one of the big uh, subplots or ma- major plots this year has been the advancement of the United States to the knockout round of 16. Um, USA, 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 (laughs) USA, USA, USA. Um, As well as Mexico. Indeed. El Tricolor. (laughs) Uh, I thought we'd get a longer chant than that, but that's okay. Um, So my question to you is this. 
Um, who do you think looks better right now between those two teams? I mean, the United States, they were they won their group. And Mexico, I believe, was the runner-up in their group. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Do you think... Well, let me just start off by saying that CONCACAF, which is the, the uh, you know, the federation, the regional federation that both the U.S. and Mexico belong to, which is, uh, you know, North and Central America, is definitely representing itself very well in this World Cup. I, you know, at the beginning of the Cup, I had Mexico... Um, edging out uh, South Africa to, uh, to qualify um, for the knockout stage. Uh, Uruguay, of course, did what they were supposed to against South Africa and beat them soundly, um, which, by the way, the African teams have been an absolute disappointment. This Definitely. World Cup. I really, really was expecting them to show up a little bit more um, – you know, pumped, a little bit more inspired, being on home soil. You know, the, this is probably going to be the only World Cup on African soil for a very long time. Uh, and they've just been a total disappointment. So South Africa, you know, they got the win against France. But then again, I think, uh, you know, my under-13 team from 20 years ago could have beaten France <laughs> at the tournament this uh, uh, this year. Uh, and, of course, U.S., you know, did you guys hear this? I don't know if you guys heard this stat. The U.S. led their group for two minutes. <laughs> the two minutes following right. Donovan's goal yesterday were the only two minutes of, you know, uh, all 270 minutes that they were leading their group. Um, well, well, they've now led it for more than 24 hours, I think, Alex. Uh, what's that? They're, they're still leading it right now, so... Yeah, yeah exactly. No, they're I know leading it now. They, they, they won the group, but I mean, dur- right. during the group, during group play... Uh, that was the only time that they had, uh, I, I believe, if I if I remember reading it correctly, that was the only time they were actually uh, leading their group. But right. Uh, well, and Slovakia, I, I think that, uh, you know, Concacaf, the Concacaf regions uh, or region teams have have definitely acquitted themselves very well. Even Honduras, actually, uh, I caught uh, just a little bit of the Spain Honduras game. I thought, uh, in spite of pretty much Spain dominating the run of play most of the game, I think they did a pretty decent job of holding their own and. Yeah, they look dangerous a few times, but you know, against a against a world power like Spain, it, it was always going to be hard, and they really should have come out a little bit more, um, I think, aggressive in their first game against Chile. That was probably going to be their best chance to try to qualify out of their group, and, and of course, uh, Chile was able to hold on there for the win. But but yeah, I, I think uh, Mexico and the U.S. Uh, did well to try to avoid themselves. They're 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 in different quadrants of the knockout uh, stage, and uh, had had the U.S. advanced in second position, they 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 might have both been poised to, to meet each other in the quarterfinals, which would have been um, one uh, stage of the tournament later than what they uh, played in in uh, the O2 World Cup, which of course, as you know, was the uh, the game that vaulted the, the U.S. into uh, the quarterfinals that year as well. So I think it's looking pretty good. Uh, the U.S. Uh, is definitely on the easier, I would say, the easiest of the four quadrants. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, looking at basically Ghana, South Korea, and Uruguay in their quadrant. That, that let me tell you, my friends, is looking like uh, a very good possibility that the U.S. could make it to the semifinals. Uh, you know, I don't want to look ahead past. Yeah, Ghana. that's the thing is you get you you look at it and you say, well, if you look at the FIFA World Rankings. U.S. is higher than Ghana, they're higher than Uruguay, they're higher than Korea. 
And so, you know, it's not, however, it's not like a March Madness uh, tournament where the chalk wins out most of the time. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's the the key thing to remember there for, you know, know, everybody listening. It's it's pretty much, you could take the FIFA World Rankings and um, pretty much use them as as a Q-tip. Yeah. Because... That's that's all they're really good for. I don't know how you would use rankings as a Q-tip. I, that's just the first thing that came to my it, mind. It was a beautiful <laughs> metaphor, Alex. <laughs> it was a it was a surprisingly edited, tamed metaphor. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Mexico versus Argentina. I'm I'm feeling much better with U.S. facing Ghana over Argentina, or or I guess they would have been facing Germany if they'd finished second. Sure. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think um, I think at this point, like uh, you know, the thing the thing is, is when you get to the knockout phase, it's almost it's almost two tournaments. With the World Cup, you almost have two tournaments in one. You have the group phase, you know, and, and, and the teams that usually do well there are the teams that are kind of able to uh, just sort of, you know, maintain a level head throughout the three games, not get too down or not get too up. But when you get to the knockout phase, it really then becomes uh, a matter of form and, and which teams are, are carrying momentum, which teams are, are looking, you know, lively and, 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 and dangerous. Uh, and right now i got to say the U.S. has a ton of momentum that's carrying, for, that's carrying them forward. Uh, Ghana looking like they had a little bit of a wobble against Germany there. I, I think they could have done a little better to, uh, to have come out that game and, and tried to have, um, you know, to win it. You know, of course, had they won it, they would have gotten England, which, you know, even as bad as they had played, as, as much of a disappointment as, a disappointment as they were, uh, still, you know, I think if, if, if Ghana had their pick, uh, they might fancy their chances against England right now just based on form alone, um, you know, and how the two teams are playing. So um, I definitely uh, think that the U.S. does have the slight edge, but then again, you got to go back to the home crowd. you got to go back to the fact that Ghana may be the only African team uh, to qualify for um, the knockout stage of the tournament. And you're basically looking at a whole continent getting behind uh, the Ghanaians and, and, and trying to cheer them on. Yeah, well, like you said earlier, they haven't been very successful at, at rooting on their home continent teams anyway. So I guess we, I hope that that continues for at least one more round. Let's hope uh, so. <laughs> for the U.S. Um, before we move on to something else, uh, I want since we're talking about all these different rounds and everything, I want uh, I'd like you to give us your prediction. I know there's still a couple teams, a couple groups left to qualify tomorrow. Yep. Uh, pretty confident that Brazil's going to qualify. I think Brazil and Portugal are almost automatically going to qualify with the goal differential that Portugal has. Mm-hmm. Um, what if, if you had to pick a final two to play each other? What would you say it's going to be? U.S. Mexico, probably, or <laughs> that'd be an awesome World World Cup final. Huh? That'd be amazing. The rest but... of the world probably wouldn't watch, but we here in the states would be watching with uh, with a lot of interest. Uh, no, I, you know, um, in terms of the groups tomorrow, I, I do want to bring this up. Uh, you know, I'm going to take you guys back to uh, approximately this time of the year a year ago. You had a U.S. team who had lost. Two straight, you know, abysmal games, performances where teams were, I mean, they basically had their bags packed after the, the second game uh, against, uh, I believe it was Brazil. No, I'm sorry, Italy was the second game they had played in the Confederations Cup. 
And you had a, you had a uh, scenario where the only way the U.S. was going to get through was if they won their game 3-0 and Brazil beat Italy 3-0. Well, as you know, that perfect storm happened. The U.S. Uh, advanced out of their group, uh, out of that group. They went on to beat Spain, and they went on to take Brazil pretty much 90 minutes uh, and almost uh, pulled out a victory in the Confederations Cup final. So with that, I will say... Don't quite count out the Ivory Coast. The Ivory Coast should be able to come out tomorrow. Uh, I know they've been a really big disappointment, uh, you know, with the injury to Drogba and, uh, you know, his limited time. And even when he's been out on the pitch, he hasn't looked quite like the player that everyone knows he is. Um, But Brazil and Portugal have a lot of history between them and not just uh, soccer-specific history. You know, you're talking anytime you get, uh, you know, former, you know, colonial masters against their, uh, you know, colonial detainees, if you will. Uh, it's never going to make for, you know, an, an easy game. They, they could both just sit back and take a point, um, which I can't necessarily see Brazil doing. I, I think Brazil would want to go out them, would want nothing more than to eliminate the Portuguese team out of contention so okay you realize that portugal has a nine goal lead on ivory correct, coast right correct but okay. <laughs> you know what? hey brazil comes out and beats portugal 4-0 and ivory coast comes out and takes care of business the way the way they should against north africa or i'm sorry north korea uh you could have a scenario there where you might get into some tricky tiebreakers you know it's a long shot but i do want to say that uh i would i would like to see ivory coast make it out of the group only because I had them pick to go all the way to the quarterfinals, uh, oh. and that's not like looking like it's going to happen. Uh, so the much. other game, of course, in Group H, you know, not everything's settled there. Switzerland should, like I said before, they should win their game. Uh, At least get one point. Should do well to try to win that game. I think Chile is not going to be necessarily looking so much at Spain, but they're going to be interested with what Switzerland is doing. Mm. Um, and this is why the format that FIFA... Uh, changed to a few year, a few World Cups ago, where the last group stage of the game is played uh, simultaneously. The last two games are played simultaneously. Right. I think it's, I think it's such a great idea. It's, it really it's so is. Important. You know what, Joe? It really is because uh, you know you would always have uh, one of the huge talking points in uh, in World Cups past would always be, oh, this team totally threw that last game because they knew they were in, and it was just right. so unfair, and blah blah blah. But, but now that both games take place at the same time, it keeps everybody honest. Everyone has to go out there, yeah. try to get whatever they can out of the game. Chile, of course, just needs a point. Spain would do uh, well to win the game because they wouldn't be necessarily guaranteed to get out of the group with a tie uh, and four points. Uh, so I think actually tomorrow that group is looking like the like the better of the groups. Uh, yeah, win. in, in but, terms of what I'm going to watch, that's definitely going to be my focus is the group oh, age. Absolutely. You got to, I mean, aside from the fact that Chile has been playing um, tremendously well, you know, you have, uh, of course, um, I'm blanking on the player's name, but uh, I think it's Suazo is his name. He's uh, a great player to watch. And then, of course, you got Spain with all the talent they have, Torres, mm-hmm. And uh, Fabregas and uh, Xavi and, and you know just the, the the wealth of midfielders that the, those that those guys have, um, you know. Getting back to the to the prediction for how the rest of the, the cup is going to turn out, I I had Germany and Argentina in the final. Um, I think after the first games, I was I was feeling pretty good about that. Was that even with Balak out? 
even even with Balak out, um, I knew that uh, you know Yogi Love, the, the the coach for Germany, he he's a very attack minded um, coach, and I, even if Balak had been fit to play in the World Cup, I don't think he would have figured into uh, the team as much uh, as people thought he might have. Uh, certainly, certainly not as much of an impact, I think, because he's more of a defensive um, uh, player. You know, of course, he has. You know, he's a captain, and you know, the whole nine yards, and you know, he's expected to be the the leader on the field. But actually, I think Germany's been helped by his absence because it's definitely allowed other players like uh, Uzil and. Uh, uh, Schweinsteiger has been a, a pretty good player for them this uh, this this cup. See, I saw today. I guess Schweinsteiger and Boateng are both going to be out. I believe that's correct. They're, they're so I don't know. That's that's of, uh, that's a big uh, coup for England. Cards, right? What what's that? They're missing because of the accumulation of yellow cards. I thought it was because of injury. Schweinsteiger was out my, because of an injury. Yeah, I thought it was injury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you know they're. You can't. You can never underestimate the Jerry's versus England. They they seem to have England's number, but I, I still think even with that draw, um, I think they match up the best uh, against the other three teams in that quadrant. You know, England, Argentina, and Mexico. Um, Mexico, of course, is playing. Like I said, they're playing very well. They have some momentum. The, the loss against Uruguay kind of uh, took a little wind out of their sails. Um, you know, just overall surveying the brackets, um, I'm going to pretty much stick to. Uh, some main powerhouses with one exception, and I think you might know where I'm going with that exception uh, for, for quarterfinalists. Uh, I think the U.S. will definitely get uh, past Ghana. I think it's going to be a great game, but uh, I'm predicting a 2-1 win over Ghana to rectify the horror of four years ago in that abysmal third uh, and final group stage game against Ghana where the U.S. just absolutely did not show up. I think Clint Dempsey was the only player that showed up for, for the U.S. that day. Uh, so I'm, I'm liking the U.S. to make it to at least the quarterfinals. Uh, Holland's going to flame out like they always do in the later <laughs> stages of the tournament. Uh, Brazil, of course, they're always going to be a contender. And I really think the final that everybody wants to see is Brazil-Spain. Uh, well, you but, know what? If Spain get, If Spain is the runner-up in their group, Brazil Spain will be a a, a second round game, a first that is round game, and, and, first and round that would game. be a shame only because I think I think if Spain gets their you know collective crap together, um, I definitely think they can make a run in the tournament. Um, you know, facing Germany is going to be tough uh, in the semifinal, um, but I would not be surprised uh, if in the end, uh, you know. All the Cinderella stories aside, I, I, I definitely think Brazil uh, has just as good a chance as, as any of the other big teams uh, that are left in the tournament. Um, and so I, I definitely think you're looking at a, at a Brazil-Germany or Brazil-Spain final. I really hope it's Brazil-Spain because the last thing I think the World Cup needs is another Brazil-Germany final. Uh, I would, I'd be okay with Brazil-Argentina if for no other reason than to give Jacob more opportunities uh, to watch Maradona. On, yes, on the, lo- the, the, the lovable cherubim, as I like to call it. <laughs> I think that should be what your predictions are based on. <laughs> what is going to give me the most enjoyment of this World Cup? Well, okay, so here's the deal. Jacob has been sitting here the whole time listening to us go on about random players that he doesn't know anything about. And I swear I was, for part I, of this, you guys were speaking a different language. <laughs> you don't know who Andres Iniesta is, Jacob? Come on. Um, of course. Who, who doesn't know that? 
And uh, so I want to get back to the question of why is it that Jacob has not watched a minute of soccer? And I don't mean you specifically. I think it gets into the – I think Jacob serves as an example of – Maybe everything that is in, right about this country. In this case, a typical American. I, yeah. I would say in many cases, not a typical American. Um, but in this case, I think he is a typical American. I think the thing with soccer is one of the things I love about it is the fact that it, it comes every four years. And so we're not oversaturated with it. And it's got that international flavor and competition and everything. Mm-hmm. But we we get into it every four years, just like the way people get into Olympic things like hockey or swimming or track or ice skating, things like that. Curling. We don't watch those things regularly. I mean, would anyone watch Michael Phelps just swim in a regular swimming competition? Of course not. No. Yep. Would anyone be like, oh, I wonder what Usain Bolt is up to running in some competition? No, no one cares yep. unless it's the Olympics. And um, I think... The reason that we don't get into it, the reason that soccer has yet to be a major um, sport that Americans love, that the average American loves, is because the sports that we have are better. They're more exciting. They're, you know, We have the NFL, we have the NBA, we have Major League Baseball, we have sports that are more geared to the type of fan that we are. You even see baseball kind of becoming less and less exciting maybe to the average person because they're into the fast-paced world of the NFL and NBA and everything. Um, We we want that excitement. We want that quick, quick, quick. We want offense. We want scoring. And the idea of a 0-0 match is like, why was this game even played? Right, right. Um, And so... You know, people have talked and they've gone around and around about what the solution to this problem is. How are we going to, you know, get Americans more interested in soccer? And I don't, I think it's, any kind of solution is something that has to be done here. Because there's no way that the world, there's no way FIFA is going to change soccer to be more interesting to America. They'd be like, the hell with you. You well, don't need I mean, to be the best at everything. We're not trying to get Ghanans into Ganains. baseball, Ghanaians, whatever, into baseball. Ghanarians. I mean, you know, <laughs> Ghanarians into baseball. Why are, you know, why do we... I like Adam Carolla compared soccer to the metric system in that we know it's out there, we know the rest of the world loves it, but we have our own feet and inches and, and we're fine with that. Well, see, I, I don't like that comparison because in reality, the metric system is better. It is superior. Maybe We're just sucking our way. I don't think that's true, though. Yes. Um, I, I, in my in my opinion, I think the U.S. sports are better. I mean, there's there's stuff that's exciting about soccer, I guess. But well, but... let me let me let me ask you guys this: If it were strictly a matter of more scoring, why isn't indoor soccer more popular? That's a good question, and I think. Um, because it's often really muddy in those buildings. That, that is the key right there for me, guys. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm one of those. I'm in, I'm in the same camp as you, um, Joe. I don't think soccer will ever be popular in this country for one reason and one reason alone. Because the rest of the world has grown up with the sport from day one. You know, you think about um, the way... So 
soccer was propagated by the English, and, and when they kind of developed the laws for what's known as the modern game and all that stuff, um, at that point in time, England was the perennial superpower. They were the, uh, you know, the, 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 for lack of a better term, they were the United States of, you know, the, the, uh, the industrial age. And even though the U.S. was coming along and all that stuff, I, I understand that. But, you know, they had more of a worldly presence around the time that, that the game was, was created and, 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 uh, and made. And so it was easy for that game to sort of propagate to the rest of the world. Now, why isn't soccer big in this country? I think it's for one, one reason and one reason alone, and that is that you don't have the same level of understanding of how the game is played in the United States as you do in the rest of the world. And what I mean by that is, it's not what makes the sport exciting, what makes the, the game itself in, um, enjoyable, if you were to poll the average foreigner, um, it's that the game is played with the highest level of personal passion than probably any other sport that that, that person would play, would play or has played. Um, you know, soccer... You know, I grew up playing soccer. Uh, it was, it was, you know, my first love, my first, uh, you know, foray into organized sports. And I never once felt like playing soccer was a chore. You know, I never felt like, oh man, this is hard. You know, and you know, I played little league for three years, and I could never get past the fact that I would sometimes go out into left field or go out into right field. That should tell you everything about how good a baseball player I was. Um, and, uh, and I would basically sometimes not do anything for, you know, a third, a half, two thirds of the game, you know? And so I think the thing about soccer, why it, why it reaches so many other countries is because number one, it's a sport that's really played by the poor. It's a sport that's right. really played by, uh, the socioeconomically disadvantaged uh, people of the world because it's such a simple sport to pick up and play. You know, you hear stories about Pele when he was growing up. You know, his ball was an orange. You know, uh, you know players will make a ball out of almost anything. You can make, uh, you know, goals out of anything. You don't, even, you don't even need movable objects. All you need is a mark on a wall, and that's your goal, you know. And so I, I think that from a... Um, practical standpoint, um, soccer is much more easily played around the world than, say, baseball or basketball or, or football, for crying out loud. I mean, you, you know, I know you don't need the equipment to play it, um, but, you know, you know, there's, you know, how do you play it, you know, you know two-hand touch versus tackle versus, you know, do you play downs, do you play yards? I mean, it's just not as simple to just pick up and play. Now, you know, there's a whole angle of, you know, the fact that, you know, we live in a globalized world now where everybody is has access to everything. And I think that's why you're seeing soccer kind of pick up some steam here. But there's something organic in the sport that this country just doesn't have yet. And, and I don't know that it ever will because you, what you said about the nil-nil score is right in that the rest of the world can understand that there's a scenario, there's a... a, a, a uh, a possibility that two teams could show up one day and not be better than the other team. And that happens. Sometimes you just have two teams that just aren't good enough. 
They're just not. And you know what? A lot of times they won't go out and watch that game. You go to the second and third tier of English football, um, and those teams that are struggling there at the bottom, hey, there's no coincidence why their attendance is um, shrinking. But what is interesting is that you still will have fans who show up to the game, who sing their hearts out, who cheer their team on because there's that connection with the game that you know they've played it their whole life or whatever, and it's a passionate sport. And so I think um, the other part of that equation is, for me, I think the average American sports fan is a fair-weather fan. I think people want to be entertained, whereas soccer, by and large, throughout the rest of the world, is tribal. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It's a tribal sport. You know your players. You support your players. Oftentimes, players from a local club are, are from the local community. They grow up. They're taken up into the academy. They're, you know, they're reared and they're trained there, and they, and, they, and they grow up with the team. And so there's a community connection there, you know, whereas here in the States, we don't have lower tiers or lower divisions for all the big four sports. It's pretty much the main, you know, top uh, professional teams, and that's it. And so, you know, who does somebody who grows up in Susanville, you know, California, who do they grow up cheering? Do they grow up cheering the Giants? Do they grow up cheering the A's? I guarantee you they cheer, the, they cheer for the A's when the A's are winning, and they cheer for the Giants when the Giants are winning. That's just how it is. And so I, I think that um, the sport itself is embedded much more in the minds and consciousness of the people uh, that support it uh, than American sports are here with, um, with uh, sports fans. Well, you've given us a lot to think about <laughs> So we're going to think about that, and we'll be back with uh, part two of our epic Soccer Mania podcast. But for now, that's a podcast. That is a podcast.